0: Go ahead and subscribe, and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in, and be blessed.
1: Uh, if you have your Bible, you can open up to Hosea chapter 7. Hosea chapter 7. If you know me, normally I hate starting off in the Old. I normally love to start from the Apostle Paul, because Paul is the Apostle to the Gentiles, and that's all of us. So i love to start <coughs> Excuse me, from Paul. But this morning, we're going to start from the Old Testament. And uh, just as I was getting ready for this morning, I was... Um, Explaining to my wife last night just the process of putting together a message, um, the constant back and forth and not knowing what to bring, what to bring, what to leave out, what to put in. Um, And I was kind of getting ready, excuse me, and I was getting ready for, you know, Thanksgiving is this week, and so I was excited. Yes, let's talk about giving thanks. And so the last couple weeks, I've been seeing, you know, giving thanks for this, thanks for that. But I've told you before, I don't want to be that guy, you know. For Christmas, you get the Christmas story. For Easter, you get the resurrection story. You know, for, for Thanksgiving, you get the Thanksgiving message. I just did you know, and there's no, believe me, I I no way, shape, or form in against that. But I was like, you know what, I want to be that guy this year. And <laughs> as I got ready, kind of what I shared last week, the Lord's been sharing with me about wisdom. And so uh, the more I got ready for that, it just didn't really feel like it connected. So I said, all right, Lord, what do you want me to share? And I started, uh, my prayer for the last couple of weeks has been this, God, give me a hearing heart to discern your voice. Give me a hearing heart to discern your voice. Uh, And in the weeks ahead, I'll explain a little more what that means. But as I started doing that, I said, you know what? I'm just going to trust the Lord and I'm going to go where the Lord has been leading me. I don't believe that you should ever come to God's word. and I want to be very careful. I don't believe you should ever come to God's word so that you can give to someone else. I believe you should always come to the well for yourself. Then from whatever's left over, that's what you share with other people. So this morning, you're going to get a little bit of what the Lord has been sharing with me. Is that all right? Awesome. So Let's dive into it. If you're in Hosea chapter 7. Nope, too far. Hosea chapter 7. Is that you? Who is that? That was not me. That was me? All right. Hosea chapter 7. Look at verse 11. It says Ephraim also is like a silly dove without sense. They call to Egypt. They go to Assyria. Now, keep in mind in Hosea, God is saying, this is what my people have done wrong. And this is why they're doing it wrong. Look at verse 12. He says, wherever they go, talking about his people, he says, I will spread my net on them. I will bring them down like the birds of the air. I will chastise them. And notice I put in gold. He says, according to what their congregation has. Now, we know that in the Old Testament, God judged his people because they were under the law. Wherever the law is, sin is credited to the sinner. And keep in mind, whenever they uh, transgressed God's law, uh, many times it was because they started serving other gods. They stopped offering the sacrifices to the Lord. And whenever they were under sin, God said, I have no choice. All right. You're sinning. You've turned away from me. I have no choice. But it's interesting because... If you look at the book of Ezekiel, at the end of Ezekiel, God gives the reason why he had to remove his spirit from his people. At the end of Ezekiel, the last couple chapters, God says this, your priests have stopped preaching what I told them to preach. Very interesting. Then he goes on to talk about the princes and the kings. He says all the princes, they've been collecting money for themselves and they're not giving it to the people the way they should. So because of the failure of the priest and the princes, he says, I have no choice but to remove my spirit from you. Now, that's an interesting fact because he doesn't say because the people have turned away from me. He says because of what they have heard from the priests who are preaching the word and from the princes who are supposed to be a picture of my son. Very interesting. So when you come to Hosea, Hosea chapter seven, verse 12, he gives a little bit of a deeper uh, reason why. One more time. He says, wherever they go, I'll spread my net over them. I will bring them down like the birds of the air. I will chastise them according to what their congregation has. One more time. According to what the congregation has heard. Now, seeing this, this tells me what you hear is vitally important. We've said this many times in the past, but I want to make sure we say it again. Let me say this. What you hear, and I'll be very careful. What you hear is in many ways more important than what you actually do. If you are hearing the wrong things, what you do or let me say it this way. What you do is the fruit of what you have heard. If you insist on hearing the wrong things, one day you can't be surprised at when you start doing the wrong things. Yep. When, we were, uh, when I was younger, you know, our, our parents were like, look, stop listening to secular music, it's bad for you. And when you're a teenager, you can't see beyond you know, the next mistake many times. So you listen to bad music, you go on and you sing these songs, you sing the songs about depression, how I can never really be in love, she doesn't love me. No one knows what I'm talking about. He knows what I'm talking about. Okay, You sing all these songs about all these failed relationships that other people have gone through and you listen to it and you listen and you listen Then you start saying it and then you start singing it and before you know it, you're, you're, you're 25 and you haven't had a good solid relationship yet. <laughs> now again, it comes back to What are you listening to? What are you choosing to listen to? Again, and as far as God is concerned, I'm going to be very careful. As far as God is concerned, it's not so much what you do as much as what you are hearing. When it came to the leper in Matthew chapter, I'm going to say seven or eight, I'm going to say eight. In Matthew chapter eight, the first miracle mentioned in the Gospels, when the leper came to Jesus, keep in mind, he broke the law. He broke the law. He was not supposed to be in a crowd of people. He definitely was not supposed to be there. And yet he broke the law. Now, if Jesus was being the righteous just by the law book that God appears to be in the old, he should have said, get out. Unclean, stone him, get out. And yet Jesus didn't do that. When he saw Jesus, he ran, fell on his knees and said, if you are willing, you can make me what? Clean. It's not what he did. It's what he heard. And what did that leper hear? He sat there for God knows how long, but we know that he heard Jesus say this. Look at the birds of the air. Are you not more valuable than they? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet God in all, I'm sorry, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is here and tomorrow is gone, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And this leper is sitting there hearing Jesus say from his own mouth, hearing Jesus say, you're worth more than all the lilies of the field. You are worth more to me than the birds of the air. And hearing Jesus say that, probably with tears in his eyes, he jumps up and runs to Jesus while Jesus is walking down the other side of the mountain, runs to Jesus and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It's not so much what you do as much as what you're hearing. If you're hearing the truth, let me say this. It's only a matter of time before truth begins to manifest. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So let's be hearers of the word. Now, I know we talk about James. We're not here to talk about James this morning. We'll talk about that sometime in the future. Again, all of it is tied into wisdom. And man, I'm having a good time with the Lord. But before we do that, I want you to look at this in James chapter 3. In James chapter 3, verse 1, James says this, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now, I hate taking verses out of context. You can read the rest for yourself. Chapter 3 talks all about the tongue. Chapter 2 closes with faith without works is dead. And then he starts talking about the tongue. So the whole point is what you're saying, what you're saying, what you're saying. And in fact, in verse two, in the same chapter, he goes on to say this. A perfect man is someone who does not stumble in what he says. Now, the whole point is James, the majority of the book of James was talking about what you say. But right here in verse one, he he says something that is not out of place, but it sticks out to me like a sore thumb. He says this. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. We're all excited about the grace of God. But let me say this. Don't presume to be a teacher that's not Matthew's uh, uh, warning or or, or fear. Okay, let me say this. Let not many of you presume to be teachers. By the time I realized that this verse was in the Bible, I had already been teaching teenagers. I said, oh Lord, I'm in trouble. (laughs) He says, let not many of you become teachers. Why? Knowing that we who are teachers shall receive a stricter judgment. Now, why does God say teachers receive a stricter judgment? Because people live their entire lives based on what they've heard you say. They base their entire lives on it. Now, I I don't want to think that I'm on a different, I have to live a better life. It's what you say that comes out of your mouth. Let me say this. We are all at the foot of the cross. My life, listen, if I was in here preaching about me, I'd be in trouble. My wife can tell you that much. (laughs) I'd be in trouble. But if I preach about Jesus, I'm okay. I can make a mistake because it's not about me. It was never about me to begin with. It's all about Jesus. So that's the beauty of being a teacher. As long as you're pointing people to you you're in trouble. As long as you're pointing people to themselves, you're in more trouble. But if you can deflect and point people to Jesus, you're safe. Alright? So don't let everyone should presume to be a teacher. Because when it comes to the grace of God, let me say this. When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you don't need the Holy Spirit to preach the law. The world has the law. Do good, get good. Do bad, get punished. The world has the law. You don't need the Holy Spirit to preach the law. But you need the Holy Spirit to preach grace. You need the Holy Spirit to preach that in spite of you, somebody took all of your failures. Somebody took all of your disobedience. At the cross, somebody received the full weight of all that Matthew Edwards was at his worst. And at the cross, that man was punished as me. Not just for me, but as me. It takes the Holy Spirit to stand up and say that. And not just say that phrase, but continue sharing about what that actually means. And everyone said. So let me say this. Don't don't presume to be a teacher (laughs) because people base their lives on it. God says, if anyone wants to teach, let me say this. There will be a greater standard for you. All right. Not in how you live, but in what you say. So let's keep going. Now, when it comes to what you hear, and I know I'm moving through this relatively quick. I have a lot to share. But again, I don't want to get stuck on this for too long when it comes to what you're hearing the question is what are you hearing now I wanted to be careful I didn't want to open up in Romans chapter 10 but we all know that Romans chapter 10 he says faith comes by what and hearing by the word of God God." and we've talked about in our church many times that phrase right there I'm sorry that word in the Hebrew the word God should be theos in the Greek but it's actually not it's actually the word Christos meaning faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ when you're hearing about Jesus Faith will come when you're hearing about God. Let me say this. There are preachers all over America right now preaching about God. And let me say this. Not everyone is getting faith. But when you preach about Jesus, faith will come. When you preach about Christ, faith will come. All right. Now, again, what is faith? What is faith? The simple definition of faith. Uh, Faith is a evidence evidence of things. Can we simplify a little bit more? We who have believed do enter into rest. Rest. So can we say that faith is a rest? If I tell you this morning that Jesus has healed you, or oh, let's, let's use the example uh, the bishop used this morning, all right? I love calling him the bishop. That doesn't offend you, does it? Okay, good, good. All right. I didn't know. Months later. Okay. So anyways, let's use this example. Let's say I need a financial miracle. Or let's, let's, let's go back. Let's go back in time to when the Word of Faith movement, people were falling out on the power of God. Let's say you come up and you say, Pastor, uh, I, I, you know, I need to be healed. So I lay hands on you and say, Thus saith the Lord, you are healed, right? By His stripes, you are healed. You go out on the power of God, you stand up, and the next day, you walk around believing you are healed. How many understand that's called faith, right? Because you believe, you rest. You rest. When you come into church, if you're hearing faith, the result should be that when you walk out of here, you rest. The sign that you have heard the true gospel is you rest. But if you hear a message and you walk out with the to do list, you probably have not heard faith. All right. You probably haven't heard faith. So what happens is this. The question is the test to know if you're hearing truth or not is does it cause me to relax? All right. David said what in Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. He does what? What's the first thing he makes me do? He makes me rest. Are you with me the sign that you are listening to the word of god listening to the true gospel is it causes you to rest jesus did most of his miracles on what day the day of rest because when you rest god works when you work he rests i would much rather him work and me rest <laughs> now look at this in galatians chapter 3 let's keep going with this same train of thought galatians chapter 3 The Apostle Paul says, "O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you or put you under a spell that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. In other words, I was preaching Jesus to you and not just the Jesus who healed the sick, who raised the dead. I preached the Jesus that was crucified, who took all your sins. Then he says in verse two, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, church, let me ask you, and I know it's kind of an obvious answer, but I want to ask you anyways, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? By doing something or by hearing something? By hearing something. By hearing something. And you know, I, I, I joked about this before, but when you received Christ, did someone tell you, you must first throw all these things away before Jesus will come into your heart? You must first renounce all these things. You must denounce this. You must let this go before Jesus will come into your heart. If someone did that to you, when you received Christ, we will have a real altar call at the end. All right. <laughs> Because you do not receive the Holy Spirit by what you do you received him how by what you heard Then you look at verse three. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit having started in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? If you receive the Holy Spirit by hearing why are you trying to manifest his favor by doing something? It's not what you do the way you start should be the way you finish How did you start by hearing then finish by hearing? Stop trying to do something. I love the bishop. Stop trying to help. (laughs) I love you, man. Stop trying to help God. You didn't start that way, so don't try to help him. (laughs) Then you come to verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, I wanted to make sure before we move on, I want to make sure we had this verse in here because notice what he says. He does what among us? He works miracles. Let me say this. I want our ministry to be marked by miracles. I want your life to be marked by miracles and not miracles that, oh, God, I need another miracle. I go to center church. Oh, God, I need another miracle. (laughs) No, I want your life to be marked by miracles that when you go places, miracles happen for other people as well. I want God to give you so much wisdom that you don't need miracles anymore. Miracles happen for everyone else. Jesus didn't need the miracle. He was the life source that miracles came from. May the same be said of all of you. All right. Don't forget. Let me say this. It's the hearing of faith. He says the Holy Spirit does. I'm sorry. He supplies the spirit and he works miracles among you by what you hear. Do you know in the world, in the world, uh, when it comes to a therapy session, In the world, what do they tell you to do? You have to accept your failure, and you have to admit that you are what you've done, right? Now, I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but let's say, for example, let's say you're in a AA meeting, right? What do they make everyone stand up and say? And the whole world knows it at this point. What do you you say? You stand up, you say, "Hi, my name is Matt." Why do you have to be me? You say, "You." Okay, (laughs) "Hi, my name is Matthew Edwards. I am." Okay, I'm not going to say it. You say. I won't say it over myself. What well, I say it has more power over me than what you say about me. So you can say it. Hi, my name is Matthew Edwards. I am a, there we go. Right? <laughs> you say that, you say, I, I am this. And what are you doing? You're identifying with your failure. And the way they say it helps is this. You have to accept who you are and accept what you've done. And so you are identifying with your failure. But grace comes in and says, stop identifying with your failure. Identify with who? Jesus. So instead of saying, hi, my name is Matthew. I'm an alcoholic. Instead, what you say is, hi, my name is Matthew. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Right. Well, you don't act like it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, but, but, you, but again, you don't act like it. Aren't you glad we serve the God who calls things that are not as though they were? Yeah. So that they will become what he wants them to be. Right. Right. Likewise, we are to declare we are the righteousness of God, where? In Christ Jesus. So again. When you're hearing this, when you're hearing truth, when you're hearing the, uh, the uh, I'm sorry, when you're hearing the hearing of faith, <laughs> when you're hearing faith, the Holy Spirit does the miracle. That's why, look, in a church where you only hear, but you don't hear what to do, you hear what Jesus did, not what you should do, the Holy Spirit works. In a place where people say, we didn't come to church to do anything, we just came to see Jesus, the Holy Spirit can work. And everyone said, Amen. now, I know, again, we're moving through this relatively quickly. I started late. Am I talking fast? Got you. <laughs> all right. When I get comfortable, I fly. So let's, let's, uh, let's keep going. Now I want to show you real quick two examples of two people who heard Jesus in the Bible. All right. Two examples of two people who all they did was hear about Jesus. And let me show you the very well-known stories. Let me show you the first one is found in Mark chapter 5. The woman with the issue of blood. Okay. Now Mark chapter 5 verse 25, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, I, I love the, the way in two verses you get her whole story. Twelve years she's suffering, twelve years she's bleeding, twelve years she can never produce because the blood will not stop. Twelve years, not only is she sick, but after twelve years she spent everything she had and she didn't get any better. Not only is she suffering with sickness and disease, now she's suffering with poverty, both. Now I put this in gold verse 27. But when she heard about who? Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, I want to ask you real quick. I want to ask you and I want to I don't want to just read the story like we've done in the past. I want you to think about it for a moment. What did she hear about Jesus? What did she hear? Now, if you want to know what she heard, you can find out what she heard by looking at what she said to herself. What does she say to herself? For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. In other words, I don't even need his attention. I don't need Jesus to look at me. I don't even need Jesus to to look at me, talk to me, point at me, speak to me. I just need Jesus to be around me. And if Jesus is close enough to me and I can just touch even his clothes, I'll be healed. Now, we know that the Bible says she touched the hem of his garment, right? The hem of his garment. And we've looked at it in the past. If you look at it, the Bible says she touched the hem of his garment. The, uh, literally, what she would have touched was his tallit. So let me say this when you come to a friend, you shake his hand or you touch him on the shoulder. That's how you touch a friend. But when she came to Jesus, she wasn't even standing up. The Bible says she touched the hem. In order for her to touch his hem, she had to have been on the ground. Right. She's on the ground. And keep in mind, the law says if a woman is bleeding, the time period of her bleeding from the time it starts to the time it ends and seven days after she is unclean and she cannot touch anyone or else they will become unclean. So not only is she sick, not only is she now poor, she's also broken the law (laughs) because everyone she had to push through the crowd. Every one of them are now technically unclean and she pushes through and she doesn't even see Jesus eye to eye. She touches the hem of his garment with me? I love it. And in the midst of it, what happens? What did she hear? Whatever she heard told her, you don't even need his attention. Whatever she heard was, there's so much life in him that I'm telling you, I bet if you could touch his clothes, you'd get what you needed. And she believed it. And she broke the law to do it. But in that moment, it wasn't what she did. It's what she heard because Jesus turned to her and said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. I love it. I'm telling you, church, listen, I'm not saying wreak havoc and act like a sinner. I'm not saying all that. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, is not, don't focus on what you do. Focus on what you're hearing. If you will be intentional about hearing about Jesus, hearing about him, hearing about him, don't worry about the rest. I know that sometimes you act like like what you're not. You are not a sinner. You are the righteousness of God. I know we all act like it. (laughs) But if you will be intentional about hearing Jesus, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. Amen. Now that's the first one. Look what Jesus says to her. Do I have it up here? No, I don't have it up here. Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. That's how that story ends. Now let me show you this. Let me show you the other person. In Luke chapter 7, the story of the Roman centurion. In verse 1, it says, now when he had concluded, when Jesus had concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and we were in Capernaum. When you go to Israel, you'll be in Capernaum. Anyways, It says, and he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, I put it in gold. So when he did what? Heard about Jesus. Now, again, the question is, what did he hear about Jesus? When he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Now, it doesn't say that he himself said that, but I like that. Luke includes this little piece. In verse 5, it says, For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not, trouble yourself, do not trouble yourself. For I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. Now look up here. What did he hear about Jesus? Right here. Right here. But say the word and my servant will be healed. Now, what did he hear about Jesus? Whatever he heard about Jesus told him, Jesus doesn't actually have to be there. He only has to say it. In fact, let's go one step further. Look at this in verse 8. For I also am a man placed under authority. Now watch this. Whatever he heard about Jesus resonated with him. Because the Roman centurion said, I'm a man under authority, or I'm a man with authority. When I tell someone to go, they go. When I speak to this person, he does it. Likewise, Jesus is like me. He also has authority. When he speaks, demons run. When he speaks, the addicts are taken care of. When he speaks, everything you are struggling with is resolved. Jesus is a man like me. He's a man under authority. He doesn't need to come to my house. He only needs to say the word. That's it. Now look up here. What do we say every week? You see, this man is a picture in a lot of ways, a picture of the Gentile church, because as a Roman centurion, he could not have been a Jew. Obviously, he is a Gentile. Likewise, Jesus is not here today in the flesh. He's here by his spirit. He's here by his word. Right. And in the same way, if he's the same yesterday, today and forever, what impressed him back then impresses him today. Jesus, when he heard these things said, he marveled at him. Translation, he was impressed. He was impressed let me say this impress your Lord impress your Savior Jesus I don't need you to be here in the flesh I believe that when you said it was done it was done it was done when you said I was sealed I was healed. I love that Peter doesn't say by his stripes you will be he says by his stripes you were we are not trying to we were healed where at the cross where Right there where he carried all our sickness and all our pain. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> what are you hearing? What are you hearing? Are you hearing that Jesus did it all? Or are you hearing that you still have more to do? Let me close with this. In fact, no, no, I'm sorry. Not, we're not closing yet. You know me better than that. This is closing number one. Let's back up real quick to Mark chapter four. No, I'm actually going to, I'm not closing with this verse. I have one more verse after this and I'll close. You think you know me, but you don't know me. Mark chapter four, look at verse 24. Now, I want to show you this. I was only going to show you 24, 25, but 26, 27, 28, 29 are a parable. I cut 28, 29 out because you can get the point from 26 to uh, 27. But I want, I, want, I want you to see this again, because it's all about what you're hearing. And I'm going to tie all this into wisdom in just a moment. Look at this in Mark chapter four, verse 24. It says, then Jesus said to the people, take heed what you hear. I'm sorry, not to the people, to his disciples. He just preached about the parable of the sower. And when he gets in private, his disciples look at him and say, tell us what that meant, because we have no clue what you're talking about. And he looks at them and says, if you don't understand the parable of the sower, you will not understand any other parable. This is the mother of all parables. So he goes on to talk about how the seed is the word of God. And the farmer is the one who's preaching or teaching the word of God. He scatters the seed. And yes, he would think, he would love to think that all the seed he scatters will produce a hundredfold, but it's not dependent on the farmer, it's dependent on the ground. The people get to choose what type of ground they will be. Will you be fertile or will you be the wayside? Will you be thistles and thorns or will you be stony ground? What will you be? So he goes on to talk about that and he explains it. Then we come to verse 24. Jesus said to them, take heed what you hear. Now, again, take heed to what what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Now, look, this is an amazing truth. And I didn't hear any other preacher preach this. This came from the Lord to me, so I'm excited. This is mine, all right? Be careful what you hear. The same measure you give. If you lend your ear, even to me, if you just give me all 100% of your attention, whatever Matthew says, I believe him. You are an idiot. Don't do that. Don't do it for me. Don't do it for any preacher. Don't do it for anyone. Take whatever I say, whatever any other preacher says, back to this. Be careful what you hear. Be careful what you hear. Always compare what you hear to God's word. Because, listen, men will change. Their theology will evolve over time. But Jesus will never change. Grace will never change. So be careful what you hear. Then he says this, but to you who are hearing, more will be given. If you're hearing truth, God will give you more truth. Now watch this. Verse 25. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. If you have heard something and you stop and say, well, I don't need to hear anything else because this was good. I'm good with this. I don't need anything else. Let me say this. What little you have at some point, it will be taken from you. Don't stop hearing. Once you hear truth, keep listening to truth. Keep listening to truth. Keep listening to Jesus. Don't change the message. Keep listening to him. Then he comes to verse 26. Now watch this amazing parable. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Now you can read 28, 29 for yourself. But I want you to notice one more time. When I sow the seed, whenever you receive the seed into your life, when you go home, listen, it's not up to me to figure out how to make it manifest in your life. And the best part about grace is not up to you. It's not even up to you. Your job is to receive the seed. Your job is to keep receiving the word of God. Keep receiving the grace of God. Just keep hearing it. Just keep hearing it. Well, Matthew, what do I have to do? The seed will produce, but you don't have to worry about how. Let him produce the fruit in you. I had a good friend of mine, good friend of mine, a couple years ago. The first time I met him, the, the way he and I met was he said, we were asking about theology, asking about what you believe about the gospel. It was a Really good conversation. And then he said this. Well, Matthew, I'm really struggling with the fruit of the spirit. I said, what do you mean? He said, I just don't know that I have fruit. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He said, I just don't know that I have fruit. I look at my life and I wonder, do I have fruit? Because Jesus said, if you don't have fruit, the branch. Now, in this church, we've talked about that phrase, cut off the branch. Literally, in the Greek, Jesus said he doesn't cut off. That word, cut off, actually means he elevates the branch. Why would he lift up a branch that's not bearing fruit? So that it will bear more fruit. Jesus isn't interested in cutting people off. He's interested in making sure that you bear fruit. And then number two, I looked at him and I said, do you understand that if you have an apple tree and you go to the branches and you start beating the branches because they don't bear fruit, you'll never bear fruit. Don't focus on the fruit. Focus on the what the root? Make sure the roots getting water make sure the roots getting life the fruit will come. Don't worry about the fruit Likewise, let me say this. Don't worry about the fruit church. Don't worry about it. Take communion for example We strong believers in communion. So let me say this if you take communion one time you hear the message you take it and You don't see healing manifest immediately. Don't throw it out the window and say well, it doesn't work for me Take it again (laughs) And take it again And then next Sunday, come back and listen to the Sermon on Communion again. Listen to it on Monday. Listen to it on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, throughout Saturday. Keep listening to it. It's not your job to make the healing manifest. It's the shepherd's job to make sure the sheep look good. Are you with me? It's not your job. It's the shepherd's job to make sure that the sheep look good. Your job is to keep eating. Your job is to keep receiving. Just keep receiving the word. And don't worry about how it grows. He himself will make sure that it grows. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. Now, again, what is your part? What's your part? Hearing. Hearing. That's it. That's it. Your part is to hear. Now, let me close with this. Close number two. Let me close with this. All right. In First Kings, let me show you this cool story in First Kings. And this is where the Lord has taken me in a couple of weeks. Like I said, when I share again, I'll uh, be able to expound more on this because I'm telling you, there's so much in this simple story in 1 kings chapter three now let me explain what happened real quick and I'll, I'll read this verse and i'll show you in 1 kings what happened is this david has died solomon has been declared king and like we shared a couple of weeks ago solomon goes to gibeah where the uh... the presence of the lord was and they're preparing the temple but he goes up to where the bronze altar is and he offers up a thousand burnt offerings interesting a thousand burnt offerings now the number of thousand let me say this is very significant Do you know that the Bible says God owns the cattle on how many hills? Do you know? On a thousand hills. Now, what about hill number one (laughs) thousand and one? So do you understand that that phrase doesn't mean God only owns a thousand hills? It means that he owns all the hills. So as far as God's concerned, God uses types and shadows. God uses symbols to represent what he's trying to convey to his people. When God says I own the cattle on a thousand hills, what he's saying is all the cattle on the earth belong to me. All right. And then the very next phrase, he says, all the silver and gold is mine. Very interesting. All right. So, again, a thousand is a type and a picture of all. When Abraham sent his servant out to go find a wife for his son, he said, go and take all all my livestock with you. You know how many he took with him? Does anyone know? He took 10. When he went to find a bride for Isaac, he only took 10. When he showed up and found her, she took him back to her her parents' house. And when he walked in, he said, look, this is all my master's possessions. Now, let me say this. Abraham had way more than 10. We know that. The Bible says he was a wealthy, very, very wealthy man. He had way more than 10. But why does the Bible point out that he had 10? And then why did they say this is all? Because as far as God is concerned, the 10th represents the ninety. That's why God doesn't say, give me 100% of your check. He says, give me one-tenth, because the tenth represents the 100. God uses types and symbols, types and symbols to v- show something to his people. Now, right here, Solomon offered 1,000 burnt offerings. Yes, he did offer 1,000. But in a symbol and in type, what did God see? He offered me all that he had. Are you with me? He offered all. And then the very next phrase. Solomon goes to sleep that night and God wakes him up in a dream and not wakes him up in a dream. God appears to him and says, ask me what you want, whatever you want. I'll give it to you. Now, we shared this a while back. What makes you safe for success as a type? What does the sacrifice represent? Or let me say this. Who does the sacrifice represent? Jesus at the cross. He had a big appreciation for the cross of Jesus Christ, even though Jesus hadn't come as a type and as a symbol. He said, I love the sacrifice. God said, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. So Solomon says what? God, give me a wise and understanding heart. In fact, look at this in verse 9. It says, therefore, Solomon says to God in a dream, therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him in verse 11, behold, you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you. Arise after you and I have also given you what you have not asked both riches and honor so that there shall not be Anyone like you among the Kings all your days (laughs) Watch this Solomon said uh, God says whatever you want. I'll give it to you. Ask me what you want. It's yours He could have said God make me the wealthiest man on the planet. God would have done it He could have said God kill all my enemies. God would have done it Instead, what did he say? Give me an understanding heart? now In the Hebrew, the word understanding heart, when I was a kid, it was always, God, give me wisdom. So I started praying, God, give me wisdom. And what was the result of wisdom? God says, I'll make you the wealthiest man to walk the face of the planet. Still to this day, he is still the wealthiest man to walk the face of the planet. To this day, in terms of economic value. When I was a kid, I heard, he asked for wisdom and God made him rich. God God slaughtered all his enemies. God, give me wisdom. And I went home and kept praying, God, give me wisdom. Now, I'm not number two on that list of wealthiest men yet, but suffice to say this. I went back and found out that the word for understanding heart is not what I thought it was. When I went back and looked up the word understanding heart, do you know that the word understanding, does anyone know what the word understanding right here is in the Hebrew? Does anyone know? You Bible scholars. Does anyone know? All right, let me tell you. It's the word Shema. Say Shema. 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 You know that the very first word in the law is hear, O Israel. Hear, hear, O Israel. It's the word Shema, Shema. The word Shema is not the word understanding. It's actually the word hear. If you have a good Bible, it'll actually translate it, give your servant a hearing heart. Now, why is that important? Because literally his prayer was not, God give me wisdom. God give me an understanding heart. His prayer to God was this, give me a heart that can hear you. Give me a heart that can hear you. And God was so impressed that he said, you didn't ask me for money. You didn't ask me for peace from your enemies. You didn't ask me for anything else. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do exactly what you asked me to do. I will give you a wise and hearing heart so that you'll be exactly what I called you to be, the king. Mm, I love it. Oh, and by the way, let me add more on top of it. You see, when you are hearing grace, let me say this. When you're hearing, let me, let me say it this way. I want to be very careful. I love you. You know I love you, right? Okay. I want to be very careful. Have you ever heard someone say, thus saith the Lord? Has anyone ever heard that before? Heart. You ever heard someone say, thus saith the Lord, and you start wondering if they really heard the Lord? I heard a story one time of a a small group. This guy stood up, true story, this guy stood up in the small group. They were talking about something, and all of a sudden this guy jumps up and says, thus saith the Lord. As my servant Elijah brought my children of Israel out of the land of Egypt and brought them to the promised land. And he goes on to preach. He goes on to, I'm sorry, to say, thus saith the Lord, the rest of the sermon, what the word of the Lord is. He sits back down. About five, ten minutes later, he stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, I made a mistake. It was not Elijah, but it was Moses who brought my people out of the land of Egypt. And then he sits back down. <laughs> now, now, true story. <laughs> now, you have this moment where you're in, a, when you're in a setting like that, and I've been in a setting like that, not quite that bad, but I've been in a setting like that. You hear, thus saith the Lord. And you just kind of have a moment where you go, did God make a mistake? Who is <laughs> it to man? Now, we all want to believe that, you know, when we jump up, it's a thus saith the Lord moment. I would love to think that, but I would never presume to jump up and say thus saith the Lord unless I know emphatically it is the Lord saying it. And even at that, what do I always tell you? Don't take my word for it. Go back to the word of God. If I stand up and tell you thus saith the Lord, you will die of sickness and disease this week. Reject it. Go home and say I don't have anything else for Matthew Edwards. Because his word tells me by his stripes I was healed. I can never have a thus saith the Lord moment and it come against what God has said. Solomon, right here, is saying, God, there's a lot of voices around me. I have a lot of advisors, but I don't want to hear anyone else. God, I want to hear you. Now, how do you know that you're hearing the voice of God when it lines up with his word right here? If what you hear on Sunday or even Monday to Saturday does not line up with what we see here, and don't just say, well, it's in the Old Testament, so it must be the word of God. I have somebody at my job right now. Well, Matthew, what about the Old Testament? And I go, yeah. That's there. Come on, man. Well, yeah, it's there. Well, it's in the Bible. Yeah, it's in the Bible, but you're not under that covenant anymore. You're in a new covenant. Don't act like you're under the old covenant. You're in the new covenant. So it must line up with the new covenant. That's why, listen, we always preach from the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul was the Apostle to the Gentiles. And he came in bringing the words of the ascended Christ. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. If it doesn't line up according to this gospel, reject it. Throw it out. Thus saith the Lord, throw it out. <laughs> right? Thus saith the Lord. You can throw it out, beloved. And everyone said. <laughs> now, let me say this. Now, look, look, look. See? No more verses. No more verses. Let me close with this third closing. I was actually meditating and I want to make sure I didn't forget to say this. I was actually meditating. I was getting ready and the Lord said this. And when I saw this again, the Lord was saying, son, I want to make you safe for success. I want to make you safe for success. You've been messing around too long without. It. I want to make you safe for success. And so my prayer for the last three weeks has been, God, give me a hearing heart. Give me a hearing heart. Even before I came out to preach this morning, give me a hearing heart. I don't want to hear my study, what I studied last night. I want to hear your words. I want to hear your opinion. When me and my wife get into a fight, I want to hear your words. When my son is acting up, I want to hear your words. When things start breaking down in my home, I want to hear your words. What do you have to say? What's your opinion? Give me a heart with ears, so that I can only hear your voice. There's a lot of voices in the world, but I want to hear your voice. Let me close with this. Do You know that when Jesus was about eight days old, because it was customary for the Jews, when Jesus was about eight days old-ish, all right, he was very young. They brought him to the temple to make the sacrifice. Did you know that? All right. Customary that if you are wealthy, you bring a bull. If you are middle class, you bring a lamb. But if you're lower class, what do you bring? Does anyone know? Birds. So the Bible says that Joseph and Mary, they took Jesus, the baby, and they come to the temple bringing doves, meaning that they were still poor. The wise men hadn't showed up with the money yet. Aren't you glad Jesus, whenever you have Jesus, wealth is always on his heels. Goodness and mercy follow him. Don't pursue wealth. Pursue Christ. Wealth will come. So anyways, they bring Jesus to the temple. And as they come to the temple, they encounter a man named Simeon. Right? And the Bible says that Simeon was an old man. Does anyone know what Simeon's name in the Hebrew is? Shema. Very interesting. Shema. The first person to encounter them with baby Jesus is a man named Simeon. And he says, oh, praise the Lord. God told me that my eyes would see him before I depart from this earth. He praises the Lord and then he leaves the scene. Hearing comes first. After that, they encounter a woman. And does anyone know what her name was? Hannah. Hannah. You know what Hannah is in the Hebrew? Grace. Grace. Hearing came first. Right after hearing steps to the side, then grace comes on his heels grace comes and all of a sudden she says praise the lord i have seen the messiah the bible never says that she left it tells us that the man left he was old he left but it doesn't say that she left now why am i telling you that because look if you want the grace of god to manifest in your life i want god's favor to work for you at work i want god's favor to work for you at home i want god's favor to work for you at your bank everyone said I want God's favor to work for you in the grocery store. I want God's favor to work for you everywhere you are. I want you to be the most favored people in the city of Charlotte. But before grace came onto the scene, what did we see first? Hearing. So again, I ask you this morning, what are you hearing? Are you hearing Jesus or are you hearing what to do? And everyone said, amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that I might go over the time, but these people never judge me. Father, I thank, you. I thank you for your peace, and most importantly, Father, we thank you that you have made us righteous. Father, we thank you that you have made us righteous in Christ. So this morning, Lord, we draw on that gift of righteousness. This morning, we declare, we receive your righteous declaration over us that we have been made right by the blood of jesus and so father i thank you that every assault against your people is being canceled out even right now in the name of jesus father i thank you that there is no weapon that formed against your people that can prosper because we have your righteousness in us we are your righteousness on this earth and father i thank you that this week this week You will confirm your word, even with signs, miracles, and wonders. Father, as we turn on more of your grace, as we listen to your grace, even this week, Father, may you confirm it quickly by causing your grace to manifest quickly. And Father, we thank you for being who only you could be in our lives. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Can you stand to your feet and lift your hands? May the Lord bless you in your going out and in your coming in. May the Lord bless you and continue to open doors of opportunity for you and for your family. May the Lord keep you and your loved ones always at the right place at the right time. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and may you enjoy his peace this week. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. I love you. I love you. Yes, sir.
0: Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte@gmail.com, at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.